and turn to uh, the book of Jude, uh, the epistle of Jude. Uh, it's the second to the last book of the Bible, so if you're not sure where that is, you can turn all the way back to Revelation and then just turn a page uh, back uh, and you'll find this short book uh, of Jude. My Bible calls it the general epistle of Jude, and uh, I don't know if we've covered this in a while, but the idea is that it's general in the sense that it doesn't seem to be written to a particular individual uh, or to a particular church, but rather uh, it's written uh, to believers in general, believers in general. So it's called a, a general epistle or uh, a general letter. Uh, permit me to open us in prayer and we'll jump right in this morning. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, we thank you so very much this morning uh, for all the ways our Savior leads us. Of course, that's primarily through the Bible, through your word, but we thank you as well this morning that it's because of Christ and the cross that uh, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit who prompts us and convicts us and, and gives peace as we act according to your will and, and withdraws that peace at times when we uh, act against your will, against your words. Lord, I pray this morning for everyone who's listening now. Lord, I pray that you give us a real heart this morning to uh, bow ourselves to you, to yield ourselves to you. Lord, a true, a genuine heart to receive your words this morning, Father, that we might be built up that much more today. Father, as we continue to look at this topic this morning of apostasy, of the of the truth that there are many who have turned from the faith. Uh, Lord, that we would uh, stand guard against the same temptation, but Lord, also stand guard against the influence of those who have chosen to turn from truth. Lord, from your truth, the truth of thy words. Father, help us this morning, please. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to give you <clears throat> just a little bit of sort of introductory material here, then read, I think, about half of the book today is what we'll try to get through, uh, be our goal to finish this short book in, in two lessons. Uh, but let's just consider some of the sort of typical introductory questions. Who is Jude? Uh, might, might be the first question. Who, who is Jude? Well, Jude is um, obviously a man who, who God has used uh, to pen down this book. Uh, he refers to apostles in the third person, so uh, while he seems to be present at the Lord's Supper, it does not seem to be the case necessarily uh, that he's an apostle. Uh, we see here in the first verse, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, uh, he's called the brother of James, uh, so that would help to identify him a little bit as well. Uh, there's a number of men uh, who are called Jude throughout the New Testament, but uh, we know this is a uh, brother of James, uh, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and a man who God has uh, really truly blessed with the privilege uh, to be the recipient of this letter. Pastor, didn't he write this letter and send it? Uh, yes, he did, but he's the recipient of it in the sense that uh, the Holy Spirit has chosen to use Jude uh, to receive, to pen down these words, uh, and then to send them out. And, of course, the, the churches who became the, the, the second recipients, we might say, uh, recognized that uh, this short letter has the uh, fingerprints of the Holy Spirit all over it. They recognized it as 
part of the canon of Scripture and, of course, included it into uh, the canon of Scripture here. So I praise God this morning that God's people can recognize God's words. Uh, that's a wonderful truth this morning. God's people have the Holy Spirit, uh, and therefore we are equipped with the one who helps us to recognize uh, his words. We're indwelt by the same Holy Spirit who inspired men to write these words, and uh, it's really only through the power and leading of the Holy Spirit that we can discern that one letter is uh, of God, a second letter that's maybe godly, nothing ungodly about it, uh, isn't scripture and therefore hasn't been included in the Bible. So that's just a couple of thoughts about uh, how churches through time have recognized uh, which books, which letters uh, are actually portions of the Bible. Now, uh, I've mentioned the topic, the theme of apostasy already this morning. Uh, of course, we've seen that theme back in our, our uh, previous study, our recent study in the book of 1 Timothy. Timothy deals with uh, a warning about apostates, ap those that have turned from the truth of God's words, and then he offers uh, counsel, uh, instruction from the Lord, the same Holy Spirit who's guided Jude, uh, about the, the way away from that. How can we avoid uh, becoming apostates, those who would turn from truth, and how can we avoid uh, being unduly influenced by someone who has made that decision uh, and be drawn into the same error. Well, Jude is, uh, is really addressing the same topic. Uh, you may recall, and I can't, I can't remember if I've mentioned this recently, Zachary, but 2 Peter also deals with this topic, right? So you have kind of three major portions of the New Testament that deal with apostasy. It'd be 1 Timothy 4, uh, 2 Peter, uh, and then the book of Jude is really focused on this topic as well. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that if Lord covers, if Lord devotes pretty significant chunks, if you will, of the New Testament to this topic, must be it's important. Uh, it was important in the first century. Uh, it's important in the, in the 21st century. Uh, and certainly we understand uh, perhaps even more than those in the first century might have how important uh, it is. We are, I think I said recently, in, in many ways, an island surrounded by a sea of apostasy. There is so very much apostasy around us this morning. And I think you understand this. The sad truth is that uh, perhaps a majority of churches, perhaps a majority of churches uh, are largely apostate. We look at the mainline denominations, it'd be very difficult to point to one of the mainline denominations and say, uh, we can argue from the Bible that that denomination has not apostatized. And uh, that's a sad truth. It, it's a very sad truth, but um, it's, it's consistent with the Bible warning uh, that uh, there would be a time of great apostasy. There was, of course, in the first century, uh, and in this century there's even, even greater uh, and sadly still growing apostasy. Why don't I go ahead and read, I'd like to read about the first half of the letter this morning, and we'll come back and, uh, and make some observations that will help us along these lines. So here in uh, the general epistle of Jude, uh, beginning in verse 1, Jude the penman identifies himself. He writes, Jude, <coughs> excuse me, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. He's writing to them that are sanctified by God, set apart by God the Father, 
and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. He says, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. He writes in verse 3, beloved, what, what tender loving language. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you, grammatically all of you, uh, and exhort you that ye, all of them, should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He writes in verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye knew this once, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Consequences here of apostasy. Verse 6, And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So consequences for the, that portion of the angels that uh, apostatized against the Lord. Verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them uh, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, and set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Verse 8, likewise also these filthy dreamers. Now, here's a description of apostates. So just as we saw in 1 Timothy now, some characteristics that will help us to identify apostates. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Verse 9, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil for uh, with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. This is an interesting verse. We'll talk about this. Durst not, durst not bring him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves. Verse 11 is a reference back to Balaam in Numbers 22. He says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, uh, here's the part I was referring to, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gate, saying of Korah. These are spots, verse 12, in your feast of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. We'll stop here in verse 13. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved, and uh, the blackness of darkness forever." I don't know about you, but that, none of that sounds good to me. None of that sounds good to me. So uh, we see here apostates and their apostasy uh, and certainly uh, illustrations of the consequences, uh, the great consequences 
uh, of turning from truth. Uh, sin always has consequences, uh, always. Uh, sin can be forgiven at the cross. We praise God for that, but there can still be consequences uh, this side of heaven. Uh, praise God that our sin is, when we come to Christ, having repented of sin and placing our faith in him, our sin is forgiven. Uh, and ultimately, when we're home with the Lord in heaven, any practical consequences this side of heaven are, are left behind. And we enter into glory uh, and all the rewards uh, of heaven. Now listen, of course, sin as a believer can have consequences in eternity also. If you, if you choose a life of sin, uh, seeking pleasure uh, rather than seeking uh, to fulfill our purpose of pleasing God and serving him throughout your life as a believer, there certainly can be consequences in eternity in terms of lost reward in eternity, but never, uh, never the loss of salvation. Praise God for that. Uh, praise God for that. I'm going to pray again real fast. We'll make some observations here. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you. Thank you for this important letter. Uh, Lord, I continue to marvel at how much truth and important truth, teaching, instruction, warnings, guidance from you there, there can be. And even a short book like this one, uh, Father, just 25 verses, but such important teaching and doctrine for us. Lord, I pray this morning that you help us uh, really give us a hunger and thirst for this now, Lord, and uh, help us to just eat it up, to chew on it, get it into our hearts and our minds, and, and to live according to it. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. I want to go back and, and just pick it up here in verse 3, if we could, please. I want to kind of build this lesson kind of like a sermon uh, around several points, and I'll give you C's, C points, uh, if you will. Uh, I don't normally do this in Sunday school, but uh, I'd like to do that uh, over the next couple of weeks. So uh, the first C in this lesson will be the idea that, hey, we're called to uh, earnestly contend, uh, contend being your C there, C-O-N-T-E-N-D. Uh, we are called to be people who don't just casually slip away from truth, but choose instead to be earnestly contending uh, for the faith. See the verse, verse 3, beloved, again, don't, don't miss the, the kind, gentle, loving language. Jude is very much writing to correct, but he's, he's doing that in a way that's gentle and easy to be entreated. At least he begins that way. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, so he kind of had in his head that he was going to write about salvation, but uh, the Lord g sort of guided him uh, into this topic of of uh, apostasy. Don't miss this point, please. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but here Jude is uh, humbled himself before the Lord. He's he's serving the Lord. He's he, he's uh, sat down to write a letter that would deal with salvation, but having chosen to yield himself to the Lord, the Holy Spirit steps in uh, and guides his thoughts, guides his hand, guides his direction uh, into this topic of addressing apostasy. Listen, if you will just get busy serving the Lord 
and yielding yourself to him just exactly as the Holy Spirit guided you. Uh, he'll guide you into the place that he has for you as well. Now, he's not going to use you to pen down an inspired book of scripture, but he will guide you. Uh, he will guide you. Beloved, when I gave all in, uh, diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write as the Holy Spirit guided unto you and exhort you, correct and encourage you, uh, that ye, all of you, should earnestly, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered uh, unto the saints. One man says that to earnestly contend for something is to work for something with intensity uh, and determination. There's no, there's no uh, casual uh, approach uh, being pictured here. The word translated earnestly contend has the idea of working in an intense, determined way uh, to win a prize. Uh, as a contestant in those ancient Greek games or in the modern Olympics. Uh, someone who would compete at that level would have to earnestly contend, would have to work intentionally and diligently with great determination over a long period of time in order to be able to uh, be victorious at that level. Now that's exactly what's being pictured here uh, regarding our approach to our faith, to our walk with Christ, and to our obedience to God's words. You could choose to be very casual in your walk with Christ. You could choose to just kind of get up and float through your day and Sunday kind of float into church and out of church and back into the world and just go about your business and be carried about to and fro by the tides of the day, by the tides of the culture, all the influences around us. Or you could say, listen, you know what? I need to get serious. Just like someone training for the Olympics is very serious about what they're doing, you could say, I need to get serious about my faith and obeying the Lord and knowing his word and being in his word and uh, bathing my mind and my heart in his word every day and, and earnestly contending, uh, knowing what is true and asking God each day for grace to live according to that which is true, to be serious and working hard with intensity and determination to not only know God's words, to know biblical doctrine, but to walk according to it, asking God for strength each day. Uh, that is the call of God given to us, communicated to us uh, through Jude. Lord, help us to be earnest contenders uh, for the faith, working for that crown, <laughs> uh, those crowns that are available to us uh, in eternity. God, help us to know your words. Uh, of course, uh, if you're listening today, uh, that's a good step, right? Listening to Bible teaching, uh, to Bible preaching, uh, reading and rereading and, and asking God to help you to see what he would have you to see and to apply it the way he would have you to apply it. Uh, listen, there's so much error out there. I can just give you a bit of uh, sort of practical application. I would encourage you to do your very best to cut yourself off from any error that's out there. Uh, I used to warn a lot about the TBN network. I'm, I'm sure I need to continue doing that. Uh, we need to turn off all of the, the televangelists that are uh, not preaching truth. We need to shut off the websites uh, where, where pastors are not teaching truth. Some would say, yeah, but I like this portion of what this man does, and I like this portion of what that man does. 
I'm aware there's error. You need to cut yourself off. You, we are called to be people who separate ourselves from error, lest we be infected uh, by their error. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's no uh, gray area. There's, there's no, well, it's okay for me to uh, expose myself to a little bit of this because only some of it is error. No, we are called biblically to separate ourselves from error. So uh, those internet preachers and, uh, and, and cable preachers that, that preach any error, we, we must choose to be separate from them. Uh, what if we don't? What if we don't? Well, listen, according to Jude, uh, there's always consequences. There's always consequences. Uh, Jude spends a bit of time here uh, uh, giving us the Holy Spirit-inspired reminders of those who chose to turn from truth and obedience to truth and the consequences uh, they suffered. Brother Ray, it's probably not a surprise. Consequences is the second C uh, in my outline. It's the second C in the outline. First thing we see here is after the Exodus, after uh, the people, God's people came out of Egypt in the Old Testament, uh, those who turned from obeying the truth uh, those who turned to unfaithful disobedience in the wilderness did not enter into the promised land. They died in the wilderness short of the goal, short of that crowning achievement of being allowed to pass into the promised land. Uh, they suffered very serious consequences uh, for turning from uh, faithful obedience to the Lord. See Jude 5. Uh, he writes, I will therefore put you in remembrance, you grammatically all of us, though you knew once this, you've forgotten perhaps, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, it was the Lord who brought them out of the land of Egypt using all of those signs and wonders, uh, if you will. Uh, afterward, he destroyed them uh, that believed not. Uh, those that uh, chose to be unfaithful. Uh, they, they doubted the Lord. They chose to be unfaithful to the Lord. They disobeyed his words uh, in their unfaithfulness, suffered great consequences. Uh, Numbers 14 and verse 29. Get down that cross-reference. Numbers 14 and verse 29. Uh, your carcasses, this is the consequence that was proclaimed to the people. Your carcasses, your bodies, shall fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered with you, according to your whole number, for 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. So that's the Lord himself pronouncing a consequence uh, for unfaithful disobedience to the Lord. Listen, unfaithful, um, let me say that again. Disobedience is unfaithfulness. Uh, Pastor, I don't want to be seen as unfaithful. Well, neither do I. And uh, you certainly don't want the Lord to view you as unfaithful. Uh, to be faithful to the Lord as a believer is to be obedient to the Lord. You're, you're full of faith in the sense that you've come to Christ and placed your faith in him. There's no question about that. But at that point, you're called to a life of faithfulness in the sense of obedience to God's words recognizing that there's always consequences for choosing to not be faithful. 
you, again, not that you could lose your salvation. No, we don't believe the Bible permits that for a moment, but there will always be consequences. Uh, consider the language again in Numbers 14 and verse 29. I realize uh, that, that you may not have turned there, but uh, the Lord says your carcasses, the Y-O-U-R uh, is, is plural. It refers to all of them. He says all that were numbered of you. So the word all and the word you there refers to all of them. According to your, the your there refers to all of them from 20 years old and upward. Uh, the Lord pronounced consequences for all of them every individual and all of them who were unfaithful uh, to him in the sense that they murmured uh, in, in unfaithful disobedience, all of them, all of them suffered consequences uh, for their uh, having turned from faithful obedience to the Lord. That's apostasy. That's apostasy. Um, Pastor, am, am I an apostate if I disobey the Lord in, in, in one little thing? Well, uh, you know, technically, in that moment, you're turning from faithful obedience. Consider this, please. Does, does the choice to turn from the Lord in one thing, does that make it more likely that you will start being more faithful or more likely that you will start being increasingly less faithful? Uh, you take one step down the wrong road. That's the first step down the wrong road. Uh, and you, you, tend to, you tend to continue in that direction unless someone lovingly comes alongside and grabs you and shakes you up or unless you yield to the, uh, the, the prodding of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You tend to continue down that road to a greater, to a growing uh, apostasy. Lord, help us to stay faithful to you. So you have the example of consequences for those in the wilderness. And then in verse 6, you have the example of consequences for the angels who turned away from the Lord in obedience to him uh, in heaven and, and warred against the Lord and, uh, and the elect angels, those who remain faithful. Verse 6, the angels which kept not their first estate, their first calling, uh, their first place to which God set them, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment uh, of, that, of the great day. And now, I understand the, those angels um, are not um, in hell or not uh, permanently cast into hell yet, but understand that they will be. Uh, there, there are consequences that they live with today. Uh, there are great consequences awaiting them uh, in the future. Second Peter 2, remember Second Peter deals with apostasy as well. Second Peter 2 and verse 4 uh, indicates that God cast the fallen angels down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness uh, to be reserved unto judgment. Uh, now, whether that's literally true today or not, uh, it's so true that it's as if it's already happened, uh, perhaps uh, in that sense. We understand that today, uh, some of them at least have been given liberty to war uh, against believers. But uh, thankfully, Brother Ray, we also know from Scripture, uh, Revelation 20 uh, and verse 19, that Satan will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, uh, where the beast and the false prophet will be uh, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Uh, praise God 
uh, the enemy that is warring against us today and the legion of demons, fallen angels that are warring against us today spiritually, they have a great consequence uh, that they are facing. And that, that day is coming. By the way, that consequence that they will face is the same consequence, the very same consequence that uh, anyone will face who chooses to not come to Christ. Anyone who rejects the offer of salvation, anyone who rejects the sacrifice of Christ and chooses to not repent, come to him, place their faith in him, will, will, will suffer the very same consequence uh, as Satan uh, and, and the demons. Don't forget that, please. Uh, that's, a, that's a difficult truth, and it's, it's a hard truth uh, to deal with, but it's a truth. It's true nonetheless. Anyone who rejects this wonderful salvation available to us in the Lord Jesus Christ will face the same consequence as Satan uh, and the other fallen angels. Uh, Lord, help us to get the word out there. Lord, help us to be in the business of sharing the gospel uh, wherever we can. And uh, of course, I remind us again this morning, churches are called to plant churches. Lord, give us those opportunities to share the gospel and, and, and to be in the business of planting churches. Uh, Father, help us. Lord, help us to be about the business of the Great Commission. Well, verse 7, of course, you have this other place of consequence being illustrated. Uh, the place is, I should say, being Sodom uh, and Gomorrah. Uh, these are two places where uh, the people and the places uh, were destroyed due to their sexual sin, uh, turning from the truth of God's words, uh, which include truths regarding uh, the proper practice of human sexuality, uh, the boundaries with which God has established uh, one man and one woman within the context or the confines of a godly marriage. Uh, this gift can be enjoyed wonderfully and should be enjoyed wonderfully within that context, uh, but only that context. And of course, as we look around the world today, we see so many having turned from that truth. Uh, and now, you know, it's, it's an anything goes world as far as the world is concerned, not for a moment as far as God is concerned. Today we have the uh, uh, expressions of that, LGBTQA. Uh, there's a plus sign being added to that uh, abbreviation now. Why is that? Well, because there's so many letters now and uh, so many uh, new and additional ideas about how human sexuality can be expressed. They need a plus sign to capture that. Uh, we just can't possibly capture all of the, all of the ways that people have chosen to express themselves uh, sexually without just having a plus sign. Uh, no, God has given one way, one context, uh, sometimes it, it comes off as unloving to express this truth, but uh, listen, we don't hate sinners, right? We're all sinners. Uh, we don't hate a gay person or a lesbian person or a transvestite person. No, of course, God hates their sin, uh, and we are called to hate their sin, but God loves that person so much that he sent his only begotten son uh, to take upon that sin, to die for that person, so that if they would simply come and place their faith in Christ and the price that he paid for their sin, that payment can be applied to their account, uh, and, and God can be satisfied uh, with, with, with them, the payment made for them, uh, but that requires turning from that sin. Um, isn't it interesting? Uh, we 
turn from sin to Christ for salvation. John is right, I should say Jude here is writing about our call to take care that we not return, turn back to the sin, turn back to the disobedience. That's the constant temptation uh, as Satan and his demons war against us. We've turned from sin to Christ for salvation and we are saved no matter what. But the temptation constantly is to turn from the, the truth of salvation and all the truth that goes along with it and return, to turn back, to turn away from Christ back to uh, that old life. Lord, help us to remember that there is nothing good back in that old life. Uh, that sin that separated us from you is wickedness indeed. Help us, Father, to remain faithful. Help us to remain faithful to you. Lord, help us to earnestly contend for the faith, for the truth uh, of your word that, that, that pleases you. Um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll stop there this morning. Uh, I intend to go a bit further, but we'll come back uh, next Sunday, Lord willing, and we'll pick it up here. Um, we'll pick it up here in verse four and start looking at some of the characteristics of apostates. Now I know we we saw there will be some overlap with First uh, Timothy chapter four. First um, Timothy, uh, there'll be some overlap. John Jude will give us some additional thoughts here, but we'll. Um, We'll break here. I don't want to kind of get halfway into this today and have to stop for time's sake. So we'll break here. We'll come back next week. We'll pick it up here and continue forward. Let's stop and, and pray. Father, uh, we thank you this morning, Lord, for um, your word. Lord, for the reminder, uh, for the reminder that um, we need to be earnestly contending. We need to be earnestly contending for the faith which was once delivered. Lord, for the faith that is delivered today still. Father, we cannot be casual. You've made that clear in your word. Lord, how much heartache must there be amongst believers who have approached their walk with Christ in a casual manner? Lord, I pray this morning that you help us to be serious, to be faithful, uh, to be diligent Lord, to be always contending for truth. Lord, to be always mindful of the battle that we're in, the constant temptation to turn back, to turn away from truth. Lord, to invest ourselves, to be mindful and purposeful in contending for obedience, fighting for, training for, always working to remain obedient. Lord, we know that is possible because of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. We can find grace, Lord, in, in you and from you uh, to be uh, in your word and to know truth and, and, and to find great encouragement to be corrected by your words, Lord, as the Holy Spirit works through them. Lord, to be convicted uh, by the Spirit of God and to find grace in the Spirit of God, strength uh, to repent of sin, to repent of unfaithfulness or disobedience, uh, and to return to the path that you have called us to. Lord, help us to be serious. Help us to earnestly contend for truth and faithfulness, to not be casual about this in any way. 
Lord, I love you this morning. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name.